This is Human V Robot, a podcast about the intersection of humanity and technology. Welcome to Human V Robot. I'm Andy Van E, and I'm here with my sister Heather Hallgrimson. Heather, how are you doing I'm this week? Doing good. How are you? Good. Yes, I'm doing good. Um, so this week we are talking about the future of human-computer interaction. We may—I'm not sure if we'll change that title, but it's something around human-computer interaction and where we see it going, and where other people see it going. I guess yeah. we thought that was an interesting topic. Um, so we'll dive into that after our updates. Okay. And uh, for my update, I wanted to just mention a podcast I re- listened to recently. Um, I seem to always bring up podcasts, but if you're if people are, I think if people are listening to podcasts, they probably are interested in other podcasts in, in a similar vein. So uh, the one I wanted to bring up was Sean Carroll's Mindscape. Um, And I think I might have brought this one up before already. So Sean Carroll is a physicist, but uh, he often has interesting like tech related people on. And this one was all about the technology and philosophy of hacking Um, and hacking specifically here is like in terms of like uh, viruses and worms and the people that create them and why they do it like social factors and stuff like that. So I thought it was pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, I won't get too much into the in depth on what they talk about, but I thought it was a probably interested, interesting if anyone's interested in like security, um, privacy, that kind of thing. Okay. Good point. Important topic. Um, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. So my update is just the, um, the, the open letter, which was actually a 22 word statement from these, um, CEOs working in AI um, that's been thrown around like uh, you notice <laughs> some of these things when they like break through the like tech scene and into like the normal scene so it's like news feeds that yeah. you have like from other organizations that talk about like you know day to day stuff are suddenly talking about the a tech topic then you know it's um, kind of at the level of average consciousness um, and so the the statement this is a 22 um, word statement uh, well I will read it all is uh, mitigating sure. the risk of extinction from AI should be a global priority alongside other societal scale risks such as pandemics and nuclear war yeah undersigned <laughs> by none other than Google DeepMind CEO OpenAI CEO as well as others um, yeah. So I have a link in here um, and it also talks about that um, there's a bit of a maybe misunderstanding that there's only a few people working in AI who are actually concerned about it. It's said that it's actually like people work, it's quite widespread that people working in artificial intelligence actually do fear the risk of extinction yeah. from artificial intelligence, which I find really hard to reconcile. <laughs> like, yeah. why would you? I don't know. <laughs> Like, why are these people having kids? Why are they like, it's just, it's crazy to me that, uh, I don't know, but, um, yeah. Anyway, uh, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do find it interesting. And I think uh, we probably, we probably talked about it before, but uh, like Sam Altman in just like, uh, how he talks about it is like, uh, he, he wants to be working in it to be, ahead of it sort of thing like 
and and that there's also this kind of disconnect between what you think could happen and how you live like that those things can sort of be intention um and i, I think, I think you find it in, i think that's yeah that's yeah. yeah um but but yeah it is interesting i i think i i'm still i, I kind of waffle on this a little too, bit actually. like I, some days i think I, like well there it is folks all the jobs are going to be gone all the things you know yeah. ai is going to gain consciousness and that's the end of it you know yeah um and then sometimes i'm kind of like i don't know <laughs> well, yeah it, like lots of opportunities in the future you know i really yeah. don't know yeah sometimes it feels a little like this like hype train barreling down the, the tracks where like these companies are sort of in a little bit like in some ways benefiting from this uh like the hype is basically indicating that it's way more powerful That's quite than effective. We, yeah 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 and and so they kind of benefit from that yeah. some of those scare tactics so yeah. it's really hard to like find a balanced um perspective on this yeah it is hard to find a balance um, when you're mentioning risk of extinction <laughs> yeah well yeah totally like, and, right? and, it's, it's, yeah yeah uh, and if any of our listeners, which I'm sure they are, any, if any of them are listening to Hard Fork, then they'd be familiar with the P Doom um, statistic, or or your measure of P Doom is like the probability <laughs> of doom, <laughs> right? Right. And like a lot of AI researchers are in like the ten to twenty percent right. or whatever or higher. Yeah. Uh, some some of them, and I'm yeah I'm I do go from like similar like 10 to 20 percent to to nearly zero percent um but like i think it's a fair point that if you have any percent then it's actually a major uh you should take it very seriously right yeah (laughs) Um, yeah so anyways uh i i sort of don't like to pay attention to i don't like to chase after every single thing that mentions this like sort of risk of extinction because otherwise i just feel like yeah. you're going to sit around paralyzed um not knowing what to do but i just thought i would bring it up because it just again entered the sort of like level of you know average consciousness yeah. this week so um yeah okay well maybe we should move on to our uh our main topic here if you uh yeah yeah, yeah sounds good so human computer interaction just as like just to level set a little bit and definer terms like human computer interaction is when we're talking about that we're talking about how we interface with computers right like and there there's definitely some fuzziness in how people uh describe this but i i'm thinking mainly in terms of like hardware interfaces and software interfaces like in a general um term like not a specific application even though in my notes, I think I added some specific applications. I think when you're thinking of it in terms of human computer interaction, you're thinking more on the abstract level, like how do we get things done with computers, right? right? Um, how do we interface with them? Yeah. Um, so the one, like the one thing that always sticks out, like very. Um, vividly for me is like what what's been called in like in later years the the mother of all demos and this was like um out of xerox park and um 
uh, a guy named Douglas Engelbart um, basically in one demo demonstrated like the mouse, the graphical user interface, uh, video conferencing, like a whole bunch of things that were like in 1968, just way ahead of their <laughs> okay. time, right? Yeah. Uh, all these networking things that were just like, it was this demo that is like super famous for basically spawning the next 30 to 40 years of technology, right? right? Yeah. Um, and I think that like that when I think of human computer interaction, I think of that, like I think of the, um, the new um, interfaces that enable different ways of interacting with computers, right? right? Exactly. Um, so we're talking a little history here, probably, and a little science fiction future facing <laughs> stuff, um, <laughs> which I think is 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 good. And um, but before all that, I think maybe we want to just talk a little bit about why 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 we should care. Like we could do a giant history lesson, right, and go through all like the the specifics but uh maybe it's a good idea to just like talk a little bit about why yeah, we should care about i, I guess yeah i was looking at the notes and then my only comment was kind of like i, I get and, and like i really was not intending to throw shade at anyone who's working in human computer interaction because like i like it's this is a huge like, sort of engineering problem is how do we i i think it's it's fair enough like you said to, to earlier to assume that like everything that we see that seems kind of obvious or inherent is was at one point a choice so yeah. the things that you know like the touch screen or you know a keyboard and mouse and all that kind of stuff like somebody had to come up with this and then we just learned how to use it um so so i mean it's super important it's super interesting yeah. um even if you look at different visual representations of like you know sort of feedback or the things that you see it's like everything that you're seeing the way i'm interacting with our you know our video streaming software and all of that is all choice it's all streamlined it's all extras are trimmed out it's super important uh, but i i guess it's kind of like where's the like the tension or the conflict in this topic that i was sort of looking for like i'm always looking for that kind of point of contention um yeah. and i guess it's sort of like the i i have this sort of big giant research study that was talking about sort of the visions of the future. And I, yeah. I wanted to just read one because I thought it was a really interesting way. I, I think sometimes if you think about sort of provocative visions of the future, it can suddenly kind of unstick your thinking a little bit around a topic. So this one, um, I, the prompt question was, I guess, about how in 2035 will the internet be? What How will it be different? How will it be better? And it was kind of like meant to provoke positively. Um, right. And and one person's response was this, the most noticeably different aspect of digital life for the average user in 2035. This is just a guess, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's visited and come back, okay? Um, <laughs> okay, fair. more seamless integration of tools and so-called reality, in quotes, by yeah. importing the dynamics of simulation and virtual representation from the gaming world, we will swallow the internet. I thought that was kind of okay. interesting. And yeah. digital spaces will move inside us. So um, this is just kind of one conception of um, the future. But I guess, I don't know. I, I thought that was kind of an interesting way to put it, that it will be sort of within us, I guess, and right. not something like, you know, 
I think right now we move in and out of digital spaces. Yeah. And maybe that won't happen to any degree in the future. I'm not sure. Right. Like, and by saying that, you you think we'll constantly be in a digital space in some way? Maybe. Like some level of inter integration? Yes. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, I'm... I'm curious about that because I think there is this tension like um, well right now like I guess there's a couple ways we could go right now like there's a big problem with how effective and how um, how well the tools actually satisfy their goal right or, or our needs of them maybe not their goal but our needs of them right and I think so we, like we see this a lot in computers especially like less tech savvy people and even you know even me working with a computer <laughs> you know for my job there there is sort of a tension of like computers are still um like operate within the bounds of what they were designed to do and there's a lot of things they don't do well and a lot of things that um a lot of room to grow, I would say, <laughs> to put it most generously. <laughs> like, I think you find that especially with voice interfaces right now. Like, I think they're just not ready and yeah. like they're they're getting better. But um, in some ways and like same with uh, like just your regular desktop software, like they are constantly get, getting better. But I think there's still some friction with humans interacting with computers yeah. uh in so many ways right yeah <laughs> um so i yeah like the, the thing i worry about when things get more integrated is that we get further from reality in a sense where like um like i think what people really like about buttons and switches and like physical interfaces is there is a real connection between your input and what they do the the results right yeah. and i think that gets so much harder the the further away you know the more software or technology or steps there is between that right um and i think that's why you see some pushback like especially in car interfaces like people like physical buttons like moving everything to touchscreen is maybe more convenient for the um for the people building the like because touchscreens are so cheap now that they can just move get rid of a lot of extra cost in producing a car or um like a lot of things are going this way um i was w one of the links i added was uh, a youtube channel called animographs and they, they like it's a really interesting channel if you're interested in like how things work generally like they have like 3d models of all the things they're talking about and they like zoom into each component sort of um but the thing i found interesting was like fire engines which i i have no experience with <laughs> are getting more digital right like where where um they just have a computer for the navigator and then they have a computer on the side where they can control like uh engine rates and water flow and all this stuff like digitizing these things where they used to have a whole bunch of gears and levers and dials and all that stuff and i wonder like 
I, like I can see the the re- rationale behind that, but it does make it feel more disconnected from reality. Yeah, yeah. I kind of like this doesn't specifically pertain to the fire trucks thing, although I, yeah. I hadn't really thought about that. But of course, that makes sense. Um, but I just when I was preparing this, I sort of had this vision of I was imagining myself like uh, a lot of um. You can imagine a future where. Um, anybody can take any degree from anywhere. Um, like yeah. even the way that people are thinking about education, I think, has changed a ton over the past two, three years. Um, because it used to be like, if I'm going to do some education, I'm going to go somewhere and I'm going to take that degree. But I mean, that's a huge problem because people are not that mobile. So moving people right. to say like, you know, it's this kind of idea in academia that you can't, you shouldn't take your PhD where you took your master's. You have to have this kind of, like, kind of mixing of ideas right from diff- different physical spaces um, because then you get sort of meeting with other people but there there has to be like sort of a physical presence associated with that that's hard to kind of separate so i was thinking like you know as you're walking down the hallway or something like that you might see somebody if you're in the physical presence and and you're just like it's not intentional it just happens you see them and maybe start talking about something maybe something happens right it's like when you're doing a webinar and you just right. log in, you listen to the things, you log out. Um, whereas if you go to a session, you go in, you sit down, you talk to somebody beforehand, you talk about you know something similar about the room or something like that. And I think that's the, the problem I have with this sort of like fully integrated digital spaces is just it always has to be like, it always seems like there's an element of this like intentionality. I feel like I'm talking more about the metaverse than I am about human computer interaction. But yeah, I, no, I, think I think it all kind of like blends together in a way that I can't quite like adequately separate um because like the metaverse as a conception has to have some like what is the mechanics that allows us to like in in, you know integrate with it right um so i don't know that's like um like that sort of like i can only be in one place at one time yeah yeah um and like there's sort of like a physical limitations to you know the things you can touch the things you can see the places you can be and stuff like that whereas like digital it's sort of like this infinite world um, right. and there's no limitations and i i just i guess i haven't really thought about all the implications of that um <laughs> yeah yeah anyway yeah no i think it's an important point that some that can get lost is like there is risk with with all of these things like we, we are aiming and i think like jumping all the way to near the end of the notes i made like wally had a great uh vision of this where everyone on the ship was basically in these little pods the the hover chair technology was so isolating like um and it's like an interesting call out like our is our technology pointing us to that direction where we become like I, like I'm less concerned. Like obviously, I am concerned with the physical ramifications of, the, of of that because everyone, like you saw the the progress of the ship. Everyone just like loses bone density because yeah, they're just oh, sitting in this chair <laughs> all day, right? Fitness. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, sure. yeah. I mean that that that's concerning, yeah. but more concerning, I think, is just the mental isolation sort of aspect. Yeah. And I think um, the, like the lack so, of humanity almost with it. Yeah, yeah, like those in-person, like, uh, serendipitous meetings sort of thing and ideas coming from, from, you know, unplanned, 
um, social interactions, yeah. right? And I think it's like um, okay, one other thing that we should probably mention is like it, it is interesting thought experiment as well to think about that there's nothing like inherently right or inherently wrong with like a touchscreen versus like a lever. Right. Like if you went into your favorite coffee shop and you had to order on a touchscreen or if you had to like do some kind of like, you know, bop it, pop it, you know, yeah. <laughs> whatever. Like, I mean, yeah. there's nothing like it's all a choice. It's just right. uh, somebody's decided that that's the way you're going to interact with it. Um, or. Yeah. 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 But they do like I think there is. You're totally right. Like functionally it's probably no different, but I think there are subtle changes in culture and stuff that happen because of those things. Um, like, I, I was trying to think of an example because the, the thing that pops to mind is just like how we pay for things now. Mm -hmm. like, like, like cash is basically obsolete. <laughs> I mean, oh, you yeah. know, in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. Um, and even like your physical card, like it, when you can use your phone, like um, it, it's it's kind of interesting how this like uh, motion to removing physical artifacts is like uh, actually really nice for a person. Like I, I really like the minimalist aesthetic and not having to carry cash and, or carry uh, you just have your phone. whatever yeah. <laughs> yeah is is really nice but it also kind of empties the world of these physical artifacts that are so sort of grounding i think, I think in, there is in a lot of ways that. like i think there's a kind of a comfort in things um i i think it's uh, you, you know it's like um it's like shopping for books you know yeah uh which is it's a great experience like i personally enjoy and, and I'll go buy yeah. them because I, I want to support my local bookstore and stuff. But I honestly just don't really even, I, I don't really read <laughs> physical books. I enjoy yeah. reading. It's just a convenience factor of reading them on my, but like the, the act of buying them and holding them and putting them on a shelf. And, you know, is this sort of comfort, is sort of expression of self and sort of like yeah. curation of your life that a digital world doesn't really give you. It's like the yeah. blockbuster effect, you know, going out on a Friday night, picking out a video. Yeah. Um, it's a little different than scrolling Netflix. Yeah, and I think, so books are another one of those things that, uh, like, I think it, having the tangible artifact does influence you in different ways. Like, I think, um, even thinking back to our last, our, our episode on algorithms, I still have the book on my desk next to me <laughs> yeah. because in a sense, like not that I read through the book often, but it, it like uh, provides this like tangible reminder yeah. of, of something where like there's, there's certain books that I have on my shelf and I, yeah, I'm, I'm similar. Like I haven't bought a tangible physical book in, in a while, <laughs> I would say I have for the kids, but not for myself. And so um, I kind of worry, like, without those things, am I just forgetting about those things and like just uh, losing them yeah. in, into the ether in a sense? Yeah. Um, or or maybe we just need a better way of like curating our digital artifacts maybe yeah i think that that's i've thought about that i think that yeah. is a really fair assumption too 
um, I, I think the digital artifacts thing. And of course, like we talked about this very, very early on. I think it was my first update was about uh, the, um, like, it was like a Wi-Fi or Bluetooth enabled oven. I was shopping for an oven. Right. Yeah. I'm happy to report my oven is doing, it's alive and well. Um, okay, good. It doesn't have Wi-Fi. But, uh, hmm. or, or something, like it, it could, you know, communicate with the devices, right? And, right. Uh, and you talked about sort of like the interfacing between different devices. And it's sort of like very siloed right now, how like we have our our books and how we have our, you know, all the digital artifacts are really just housed within the sort of system that owns them, kind of like your Kindle books are in your Kindle right. thing. And, you know, so <laughs> they sort of like don't transcend, like they don't move spaces. Um, yeah. You know, I feel like the one thing I, I we talk, I, I, we're sort of edging into this conversation around how do um, the way that, um, you know, technology, computers, like this sort of like the mouse, all of those sort of things, how do they sort of like influence behavior, I guess? Yeah. Sort of, you know, they're optimized for behavior, but then they also influence behavior in subtle ways um, and maybe not so subtle. I'm, I'm curious whether you have any idea, any thoughts about the software uh, nudges, I guess you could call them, right? Like how does, for example, spreadsheets. Okay, I do have a joke actually about spreadsheets. Okay. Spready, so, okay. Optimist, <laughs> okay. the glass is half full. Pessimist, the glass is half empty. Excel, the glass is January 2nd. (laughs) I love it. Anyway. That's a good one. So, (laughs) I'm just like, I'm just wondering if, like, if that, like, you know, those kind of, like, software nudges changes how we think about things. Like, uh... Like maybe like it used to be that I, I don't know this is just like totally off the cuff here but like now is the sense that Google can tell us everything maybe it will be like ChatGPT or large language models next but it's kind of like everything is Googleable you know in the sense yeah. that there's just sort of like a pathway to a correct answer um, you just find it on the internet I don't know if that's like a thing that's been created because the technology was you know created to help us find you know links to stuff that was relevant to us right yeah. I I think definitely when it comes to Google, there is a social effect of like making like and I think this can be good and very bad is like it makes people less opinionated or le- less uh, prone to like having a personal um, idea about. Yeah, it's like what does Google say? Right. Yeah. It's just a default. It's there. Yeah. What does it say? Yeah. yeah, Sophie was asking, my daughter was asking me this morning. She's like, well, when did this happen? And she, I told her. And she said, no, you Google it. And I said, no, it's yeah. right. <laughs> we don't have to fact check it. <laughs> right, don't have to fact check everything. Yeah, and I think um, there, I, I've heard other, like in some conversations too, like people taking pride in like just, I'm, we're not going to look at our phones or, or check Google. Like, we're going to be happily wrong about be these things. About if, and it's gonna yeah, be- yeah. Because, because in a sense, it, it like is a good practice for the mind, right? Like yeah. that, that you keep like um, you, you 
have opinions and have points of view that are your own. Because, um, I mean, this can be very hard in technology too. Is like you have an idea for an app or some way of doing things. And like, it's very easy to just start going down a Google rabbit hole r r rather than think through what you would do, like how you would approach it. Um, Cause I think that first step is like a, of developing your own intuition on something is, is very important. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm experiencing yeah. that right now. Like I said, I'm, maybe I've mentioned it on here, but I'm doing some um, work with uh, Python and data analytics and, and some of the yeah. labs are like, no, there's more than one way to solve this problem. And I'm like, wait, what? I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then I start going down a direction and I like can't make my way work. And then I'm like mad about it. And then I just look at the, sometimes I just have to go look at the answer. I'm going to get mad when I have yeah. to go look at the answer. Cause I'm like, I should be able to figure it out. Like I should be able right. to know how I would approach this problem. Um, anyway, sometimes I'm just too tired to care, but you know, um, yeah. Yeah. With, with computers, there definitely is like, two levels to that like I think when you're starting out and not familiar with the language I think definitely finding out like everything you can do with the language is is very important and all those things are like definitely you want to follow a guide or a tutorial or Google you know like all of those things like the mechanics of things I think like syntax and stuff like that like that's um, like it it is really in a lot of ways similar to a to a human human language right in that like most of the syntax and all the stuff can be found through tutorials and whatever but the like the more meaningful engagement is when you get to the point of being conversational right yeah and in a in a in a language like a, in a human language that's where you start i think languages are a lot more fun when you once you get to the conversational <laughs> yeah, level and yeah yeah, uh, yeah but you, I'm, I'm you need all the of like asking where the toilet is in french class right now <laughs> or can i go to the bathroom yeah. or whatever <laughs> yeah so computer languages are just like that yeah. like you have to learn the the base yeah um but yeah, I, I think um, once you get to the, like, which it sounds like you're talking about is more the conversational, like, how how would you approach this problem, like, on the more abstract level, right? Yeah. Like, wh what's the, how do you break it down into meaningful chunks that are achievable? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so some other like I, I did want to mention some like some of the more sci-fi interfaces and and some of them are even here today like like thinking about like voice interfaces I feel are still on in that like middle ground of like some adoption like it's definitely um, something you can use today but I, I don't, don't at like, all. I don't, super I, I, I do a little bit, but yeah, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but like, um, yeah, because there, there are issues with them, right? Like yeah. one of the main things we like, I find the kids and I use it for is like picking music while we're driving yeah. like that. It, it's super good for that. 
but it's also a little awkward for that because you, you know you turn up the music a bit and then it can't hear you anymore yeah, exactly. <laughs> so so it, like you have to shout <laughs> to to like get its attention and then and then you can go ahead yeah. so like yes there are problems with voice interfaces yeah. for sure um and then like some other ones like games like uh motion tracking and stuff like all of these things exist like they, there are games that do them yes. use that but i don't use those, them at all either and it's questionable i think uh what value they'll have in like in the future yeah i don't know i, um, I don't really use them either but i'm not really an avid gamer so i don't know. i don't yeah I, I honestly think most people who would consider themselves avid gamers just use like the controllers yeah I think yeah, I think that's still the default. I think there is maybe a place once like uh, video conferencing like moves into VR that you have a physical presence that's actually tracking your physical body. Yeah. Um, I think there are interesting pieces of that. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it, I did hear of one that was basically it's like a, a plugin for uh, video conferencing that just like makes your eyes make eye contact with the other person with right. the screen so you could be like looking over there and it would just like whoop like take your eyes back <laughs> okay uh, so maybe it would be not obvious if you're like looking at your phone or something during right. a call i don't know yeah huh yeah interesting um yeah and then like there there's there's so many really in like science fiction um like one i thought was like Right now, our virtual reality is really um, like just an extension of our current interfaces in the sense of like a screen and uh, some kind of physical interface or, or like audio video kind of interface where like most sci-fi goes to the like the direct brain jacket, like link, yes. <laughs> brain link. Um, and those, I think are quite quite far off even though there's like definitely some interesting work being done with um like putting sensors on your brain basically to be able to read brain activity and actually directly control things with brain activity but um yeah i don't know if it's interesting to think whether at some point yeah yeah exactly so yeah, like the the ones I'm talking about are non-invasive. They just have like sensors, a whole ton of sensors on your yeah, yeah, yeah. on your head, like a the the weirdest Weird hat ever. Measure, yeah, electrical <laughs> um, current. Yeah, to read brain activity and yeah, be able to like, respond. In case anyone didn't yeah. know, uh, your brain, your your neurons fire electrical current that you can pick up yeah. externally. Yeah. So you can <laughs> see electric electricity in the brain. Yeah. Yeah, but I like I think the more interesting like sci-fi futuristic uh version of that is something that directly taps into your nervous system so that you can control through, you know, through nerves or brain impulses like directly yeah. <laughs> to read and write. Like that that I think is um interesting or like slash scary probably <laughs> thoughts into someone else's head yeah yeah uh, 
yeah, or even in the sense of like a therapeutic context, like to control pain right. or to you know treat mental um, disorders. Yeah, but... yeah, or purely like um, in the sense of like creating like um, what what am I trying to say? There's a name for it. Like if you lose a limb and you create a uh, prosthetic oh, okay. prosthetic <laughs> like phantom limb syndrome yeah you'd feel like you have yes. yes so for for prosthetic limbs it's right, definitely right. Yeah. potential to just directly tap into those nerves so that you can control the prosthetic yes. like you would yes. a, a real nerve yeah. and i mean you can extrapolate that kind of technology out yeah. quite far um and yeah it's interesting um to keep an eye on it but in some ways, like, I feel like there's, um, like, we're, we're talking about competing concerns here. And, like, a lot of times technology is trying to um, reduce what we have to do in the physical world, like cutting off the physical world, yeah. where others are talking about, like, enabling new things within the physical world, right? Yeah. Well, that um, is interesting because I... I I mean, maybe that's not like, like when we were talking about the buttons thing, I was just interested in the sense that like, okay, buttons are sort of like a physicality in the world or whatever. So again, like, I guess it could, you could invent sort of like ways to interact with other people digitally, like on the internet in this sort of more physical sense or have yeah. physicality to it. Uh, because like a lot of digital sort of interactions right now are just like sort of sit and stare at the computer sort of thing. But yeah. I don't know, maybe there's a, maybe there's sort of like a, a future where you sort of are more physically embodied in it. I, I don't know. It's like, again, with the sci-fi thing. But. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm always interested in technology, like technologies that enable more passive consumptive behavior are just not that interesting to me. Like, I think we, we get enough of that <laughs> and w like yeah. that's just the natural trend right yeah. is y every time you like a product or technology comes out that's like oh it'll make your life easier generally that's appealing to that passive consumption uh thing right yeah. like and yeah it's good but it's also got downsides for sure mm -hmm. um so yeah like thinking about lo looking at some of the software interfaces i think that's what's like really been interesting about like ai chat interfaces now is that's actually like more active like it's actually doing something mm -hmm. um and then like going way back to like spreadsheets and just peer-to-peer -peer network stuff like all of those software technologies unlock new potentials for like uh interactive productive like it's exciting getting, too, like the you yeah know, even if you use it in the sense of like a you know voting governance participation like um you know expressing preferences and things like that like as you add in bits pieces to the software you suddenly get sort of like variations and shades of information that are suddenly can be expressed and like manipulated not in a bad way but just like messed with online you know so right. you can suddenly like you could have some kind of like very i don't know low effort democracy where you just like voted on small things consistently yeah 
Um, and uh, that's how you express your preferences instead of, you know, voting an election once every four years. Um, right. But you could have that, in, you know, not in the sense of government, but in any types of organizations like, I don't know, restaurants and <laughs> or whatever, like yeah. anything. Um, <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. And there there was definitely a big push. I, I feel like now it's a little less. I, I mean, it's still happening, but like the open sharing of data has has been transformative in a lot of research, I think. And yeah. um, even just like enabling new potentials right like um there was like there have been a number of government push to do like open data platforms like basically to to share everything like that yeah. is our own data right like th this is stuff that is public information yeah, or should be by private companies uh, there's like, yeah. a lot of these sort of like visions of the future too you read it's like sort of this you know I don't know, in 10 years, it's going to be sort of this big boom of data cooperatives where it's like we own collective ownership of data, um, yeah. which I have an interest in for obvious reasons, I guess. Um, right. But yeah, for sure, it, because then anyone can sort of like grab it, use it. Like there's like lots of different sort of places people have you know, online competitions, it's like data competitions and stuff like that, where people are yeah. suddenly just kind of putting all of these things together, um, which like is a big problem with all of that data is just sort of like this, um, you know, predictiveness. It's like building in bias. It's like all of the problems of society get like baked into the processes. Yeah. Unless more people participate in using it. Yeah. Yeah. So I get, yeah, we're getting a little abstract maybe and like, because like data is, like i mean that that is a, a way we interact with computers right is just through data sharing um so yeah i mean I think it, these topics are also hard because it's just like we just jump from one to the other to the other so uh true. no apo yeah. i i will not apologize <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so one thing i did want to bring up and and i just thought of this and didn't add it to the notes um was like like this this is actually something i i studied in school like i one i i had a a guest lecturer that we did like very specific like case like uh sort of informal research on human computer interaction and what we what we ended up doing like one of these things that's like super memorable in my mind is like um we we like went out we walked down to the train, uh, like the uh, transit system. We like did the whole like going through the thing, uh, like buying your ticket, all, all of the steps you need to take. And basically like noting down, like doing it very intentionally and noting down all of the interfaces that we encountered essentially. Right. And when you actually like do that, like walk through the world and think about all of the interfaces like it's shocking how, how many there are in in your daily life how many interfaces you come in contact with yeah. um <laughs> the, and it and like the button on the coffee yeah, maker <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's a button on your alarm clock or i guess your phone is mine but <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah like there there are so many interfaces and you don't um like I think it's very easy like the good ones are generally invisible and you almost ignore them because they just uh blend into the environment 
the the bad ones or the awkward ones or the uh, those ones really stick out and can be yeah. annoying but um it's interesting to think of like behind each of those is some design design decision right even even signage like signage is one of those big interfaces that we don't really think about right because um like we look around for it and when we see it we you know we'll you know get some information about it coming back to the data sharing thing like part of a good uh like public design or like design of public systems is information when you need it right yeah. um so stop go turn whatever yeah yeah <laughs> oh yeah like driving is just packed full oh, of them yes. right like yeah. it's amazing within the car and outside on the road yeah yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. um and yeah my daughter is uh getting to the age where she's going to be driving Whoa. soon and so i'm thinking about those like how uh <laughs> Because, you know, the, the longer you've been driving, the less you really less think you about that. that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You, you don't even notice a lot of those yeah. things. Well, so. yeah. I mean, it's, it's like when my kids were asking me, like, what do those lights mean? I was like, what do you mean? What do they mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. Think. And then I was like, well, like, green is go and red is stop. Like, oh, yeah. wow. It's like, uh, yeah. It's like, or why are you not going? I was like, because of the red light. And they're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway. Okay. Cool. Um, yeah, maybe just one last point on like, uh, I know I mentioned like uh, the the accuracy or the effectiveness of, of uh, like the computer interactions can be a major factor in this. Like, I, I think part of why voice is not a great interface is sometimes the ambiguity that is is within it and like how that's really a hard problem and i think it's kind of the same with self-driving cars is like there is um like when you think about it abstractly like it's a simple problem until you get into the the actually implementing it and i think like voice interfaces um when they fail it's like really bad a, a really bad experience yeah. and then i can imagine like self-driving cars when they fail that's going to be like the worst <laughs> the worst really possible yeah. experience um so yeah i think it's worth bringing up like um the systems have to be really good <laughs> in order to be uh or or else fail fail gracefully i guess yeah <laughs> um and, and like the desktop computer, like, I don't know. I can't remember the last time I fully reinstalled an operating system, but I know like in the early days, that was a regular thing because when they failed, like it was just everything would go down in a sense. Right, yeah. um, so I think, yeah, it's also worth thinking about like where in the curve of, of the adoption of the technology you are. Um, and like early adopters feel that pain more than the late adopters, yeah, I think. Okay with uh, mostly. Yeah. yeah. Mostly. <laughs> okay. Cool. All right. Um, yeah, I think like all our topics, there's so much. I, I, I'm thinking about this one and talking about um, 
just like the person to person interactions like you were talking about earlier made me think of, like I think we, at some point we should talk about parasocial relationships because I think like that kind of thing is what we're engaging in with, with right now <laughs> like we're we're sending a podcast out and we don't know who's listening and they don't know that they're not getting feedback from us yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think like those type of interactions are much more common today than they were 15 years right. ago. So um, an interaction that's just between you and like someone that you're not actively talking to directly. Yeah. Yeah. Or e even being on the other side of that. Like I know, um, like, yeah, it's going back 15 years, it's probably only like the big celebrities that ever experienced that where they're putting out something and they don't know anything. Like people know a lot more about them than they know about right. the people, right? It's not a mutual relationship. Yeah. It's and so parasocial basically just is the opposite of a mutual relationship right. where it's like one person is broadcasting into the void and uh, <laughs> a, bun a bunch of other people are consuming that and feel a connection even though it's not mutual, right? Um, so it's interesting. But yeah, that's probably outside of, it's, uh, yeah, not not directly related to human computer interaction. Okay, so. well, we better leave it there. Cool. Okay. All right. Bye. Thanks for chatting, Bye. Heather. Talk to you later. Thank you for listening. To hear all our episodes, search for Human V Robot wherever you find your podcasts.